everybody. I am Mark Raven, the VP of Improvement and Innovation Services from Kinexus. And I'm Greg Jacobson, CEO and co-founder of Kinexus. And we want to welcome you to episode 15 of our Ask Us Anything webinar series. We're going to talk for about 30 minutes. We've got a bunch of questions that have been submitted. Uh, some of these questions that we have are going to carry over um, to the next Ask Us Anything that we are going to do in October. And I do want to make a, a quick plug real quick that our next um, presentation webinar is going to be hosted on September 21st. Um, we're going to have Teresa Hay McMahon, the Executive Director of the Iowa Lean Consortium, and she's going to be joined uh, by Stephanie Hill, a Continuous Improvement Manager from a company called uh, Craig Tools, talking about collaboration across organizations within the state of Iowa. Uh, Craig Tool is a customer of Kinexus, so we're real excited they're going to share some of their story. And, and I do want to mention, I think this says Iowa Lean Consortium on the back. Is that it does. Is? Yep. This is an Iowa Lean Consortium shirt with a bad lean joke. It says, this glass is not half empty or half full. It's twice as big as it needs to be. Love it. It's a different, different form of waste. In case the first question was, what, what is that T-shirt? We've, we've covered that. I'm excited about the event next week. Kinexus will be present at that as well. So we have more customers in Iowa than any other state except for one. It seems like Pennsylvania and Iowa are always battling for the one and two position. So we love the fact that process improvement and lean and continuous improvement are, are so strong there. Well done. I'm sure that that's no small part to um, the, the organization. So Yeah. And so I would invite people to go check out iowalean.org if you want to learn about their annual conference and everything can else. You buy that, can you buy that shirt on their, on their website? Uh, probably. I bought it when I was there at uh, an ILC healthcare event recently. Nice. So I think they, they will have this. So um, before we get into process improvement questions, you know, this, the format is Ask Us Anything. And today, actually starting right now, we are competing with, you know, this other live internet broadcast, namely the Apple announcement with Tim Cook and everybody. So we're competing against that. Um, I'm going to go watch the recording or go start watching that after we're done here. But uh, the question related to that, um, are, are, you, are you Apple users? Greg, do you want to touch on that I, first? I, I'm, I'm an Apple user. It's interesting. I, I became an Apple user because of digital cameras, interestingly enough. I got my first digital cover, camera in like 01 maybe or 02 and put in the, the program from the camera to manage the pictures and I thought to myself, oh geez, I'm gonna manage all these pictures and then I'm gonna get another camera that's gonna have another photo managing app and I'm gonna have wasted all my time. So I actually got a Mac because they had iPhoto and photos and I knew that they would continue to refine that experience and then I kind of backed into everything else. So it was kind of an interesting, interesting foray, somewhat in parallel to you know, one of the reasons why I think people sign up with Kinexus because, you know, they know we're going to keep developing the platform and uh, not have to wait for internal resources. But what about you, Mark? Well, I tell you, when I was in high school, my family had an Apple 2GS, which was sort of 
blurring the lines between the Apple II computer and the Mac. So it was Apple, it wasn't Mac, it had color screen. The GS meant it had good graphics and good sound, but it was still, you know, floppy disks and it was it was pretty old. But you know, between engineering school and the corporate world, I, I used Windows. But for probably the last seven years now, I've been pretty much full-time Mac. I'm an iPhone user, an iPad user. I don't have an Apple Watch, which surprises people. But I, to me, I, I, have, I don't have a problem that the Apple Watch solves, I think. But I am excited to see what the announcements are today. Almost as excited to see what we released at our user conference last week with our reveal of 2.2 and Kinexus, but do you, uh, you want to give any quick highlights about that of, of oh, what's yeah, that's great so we had our biggest user conference yet was our third annual user conference primarily I think almost exclusively this year was all Kinexus customers a one that's soon to be a Kinexus customer we reviewed about 10 releases over the year highlighting the big the big items but then we did our reveal of our next big release which includes the top things on that are Gantt View, which has been one of the top requested features for, for some time. And we also, we released a, a really cool way where you could completely customize your your layout of your screen. And we think the, the best use case of that is an A3 layout. So you can, I mean, truly um, mix and match every component of your improvement to really give a one-for-one -one layout of your A3, we're gonna be releasing that version in October and I cannot wait to see what people do with that. I think it's gonna be really exciting. Yeah, and uh, if people wanna learn more about that, uh, they, they can just email you, I guess, right? Greg at kinexus.com, go to the kinexus.com website. Yep, and we'll be turning around videos that we took from that probably in the next couple weeks as well. So All right. it was just a lot of fun, a huge amount of energy in the room. We get so much energy at the Kinexus team talking with all of our customers, and we gave out our first annual Nexi Awards. Yeah. And people are going to be battling for those again next year, so yeah. a lot of fun. All right, so um, our, our process-related, process improvement-related questions here. Um, Jeffrey asked, do you have examples of lean being used for patient experience, not just improving flow, decreasing waste, waiting times, et cetera, but truly improving the experience from a patient's perspective? Um, I I have seen many, many examples um, related to that. Uh, right offhand, I think of my co-author, Joe Schwartz, and his health system in Indianapolis. In the NICU, they have implemented hundreds and hundreds of ideas, and I would bet at least half of them are related to the patient-family experience, doing things to um, ensure better privacy for mothers when they're nursing their babies, making sure curtains stay closed, putting signs on the curtains, warning people not to barge in, um, signs about reserving a shower that they have available, improving that process. I mean, I think it's all about what leaders ask people for. If leaders ask people to come up with ideas related to the patient experience, then you're, I think you're, you're going to tend to get those ideas. Um, Greg, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? My initial thoughts are a little cheeky in that, I, to me, um, improving flow, decreasing waste and, and wait time sound like they're all directly related to patient experience. Um, right. uh, but but I get the, the nature of the question. And I think right now, if you were to look at our cumulative completed, I would say between 15 to 20% of all improvements 
relate to patient satisfaction. That's probably the, the nearest correlate that I could think of for, for patient experience. But, um, it, at, you know, at the end of the day, what, what you're really talking about is meeting the needs of a patient, right? So meeting the needs of your customer is the definition of quality. And, and part of the needs is, is the entire experience of, of whatever you're doing. So I don't, I don't see any fundamental disconnect with, with why you can't point people in that direction. And um, if you look at our data and our, our experiences, there they're certainly would show that, that you can kind of apply these principles to any part of your, your customer. Yeah, and I've got a friend of mine who works at Seattle Children's Hospital, and he went from a role in their continuous process improvement department to being uh, an assistant director, I believe it is, in the cafeteria, dietary services. And they've used Lean to, so I was you know, referring earlier more to you know, Kaizen, small improvements. At Seattle Children's, they've used Lean as a process for both designing new space, quote unquote mm -hmm. Lean design, and process improvement and a Lean management system to transition from food being delivered at scheduled times to the patients, to patients being able to do room service ordering. So on demand, what they want, when they want it. And I'm sure there are dietary guidelines sure. um, that, that are involved. But I think things like that do a lot to improve the patient experience. It's not just about building a prettier looking building or, or giving people private rooms instead of semi-private rooms. There are a lot of process and service related improvement opportunities. And I think the final thing I'll add, when you actually have staff attuned to the patient experience and you see somebody who looks confused, seems annoyed, is sort of grumbling, you can, I was at a hospital yesterday where they talked about service recovery, apologizing, having empathy. I think then that needs to tie into process improvement. When you see somebody is annoyed with something, don't just uh, smooth things over, but do improvement work that prevents that problem from occurring again. I think that's more timely and I think more beneficial than the patient surveys because there are things that people will be annoyed by that they might not remember and might not think to complain about in the surveys. It's, it, it almost is corollary to the belief we have here at Kinexis that incidents and whether they're safety or defects or whatever, but you know, tying incident or near misses to improvement versus risk management is going to ensure that you've at least attempted for that not to happen again. And, um, you know, just continues to, it's almost like learning from failures versus trying to, you know, kind of mitigate the risk from failures. Yeah. All right. Great. So our next question. Uh, what was that? Great question, yeah. Good yeah, time. we appreciate all these questions. Next question uh, from Jim, another healthcare-related question, but I think a lot of this applies to um, all sorts of organizations. Jim asks, in my hospital, we are totally project-based at this time. I think the goal of the organization is to get to the front line sometime in the future, but at this time, they're totally focused on lean projects. How do we move from a project focus to the frontline individual focus for lean and continuous improvement. Um, let, let me take a stab at this one first. Uh, I've, I've been coaching an organization right now. They are a potential Kinexus customer. They are outside of healthcare and 
they have been doing um, what they call continuous improvement projects for 20 years. The problem is these projects would drag on for months, if not years. They were hardly continuous. They were improvement. And, and I think what we see in, in a, a culture of continuous improvement or a lean culture is you're doing some big projects, strategic initiatives. You're hopefully getting everybody at the front lines involved in identifying and small, solving small problems, Kaizen. Then you may have a middle band of, of Six Sigma Greenbelt projects, rapid improvement events, Kaizen events. It, it, I think it's all of the above. And you use the right mode of improvement for the right problem. Not everything needs to be an event. Not everything needs to be a big project. And I think you know, organizations learn you know, how to uh, navigate all that and decide is something a small improvement that um, is kind of a just do it, or is it something where we need to charter uh, an event or do an A3? So you know, I think it's, 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 it's not either or, it's and. And, and the, the other point I would make is that I think whether it's projects or small improvements, hopefully it's all still a PDCA or PDSA, plan, do, study, adjust type process. Yeah, what do you I think, think that's, Yeah, I think that's great, Mark. I think there, there needs to be a, a realization by an organization to, I think, really make movement in this area. And that realization is that 80% of the improvement potential of an organization is sitting at their front lines doing bottom-up work. Right. That means that 20% is kind of at the top and can be you, you really found when you execute top-down work really well. And, and when you look at organizations, you see that people and organizations typically have done the, the top-down stuff really well. And so uh, Alan Robinson quotes the 80% the rule. You A lot of that data comes out of Motorola. We could sit here and, and maybe it's not 80, maybe it's 65 or um, that's great. Yeah, that Mark is showing um, exactly this kind of this thought process of where where it lasts. And so when when you recognize that, then and, and you're trying to change mind. I'm thinking I'm thinking of um, Dr. Mark Javen's lecture talk that that he gave last week about kind of the neuroscience behind changing minds. But the, the first point of that, and, and there's way too much for us to talk about in this, but the first point is to find common ground. And if you can find common ground, then you can kind of move from there. So I think when you are, you're trying to say, hey, we have goals in an organization, great. Um, we're going to deploy some top-down work on this. Wouldn't it be great if, if we did even more improvement work related to these areas without increasing the the bandwidth or the stress level of our project teams. Wouldn't, wouldn't that just right. be a great, yes, it would be great. And so once you start kind of moving through common ground, common ground, common ground, you can start to get to the point where you can open up people's minds. And then and then you're going to do this just like we've seen at, at every organization that, that we've, we've watched. And that's going to be you're going to first find the, the middle management leaders that are really open to this concept and, and are really interested in kind of pioneering that. And then you're going to be doing PDCA cycles as you start expanding these kind of hot pockets um, of, of time. So I think that, that you can certainly change the mind of an organization, 
but it's going to take kind of some of the fundamental um, building blocks of, of changing the mind of an individual, right? Right. Yeah, and at the organization I've been coaching, they put some effort into thinking about how they were going to communicate this shift in improvement strategy to the organization. So they had um, you know, executives involved communicating the desire, the expectation, the belief in employees that they could make a big difference through many, many small improvements. Right. And you know, striking a balance, they didn't want to beat themselves up for their old approach, but there was a recognition that there, it had gotten a little too bureaucratic and improvements that were small weren't really passing any sort of filter to be selected for a big project. So um, executives, their uh, process improvement team have been communicating with employees. They've been doing some pilots. They're doing proof of concept to show um, that, that people will participate and that it will make a difference. And now we're to the point to talk about some of their rollout strategies. How do they spread that methodology? Well, as, as we've been growing as a company, we're, we're on a journey, right? We're on a journey with our customers in, in learning about how do you develop a culture of continuous improvement. You know, our focus happens to be how do we, how do we provide technology that accelerates that process. But one of the things that we have realized is that organizations are, are typically doing one of five things and they ultimately need to try to do all of these five things to develop that culture. And that's going to be, you know, bottom up, top down strategy, which in many ways was your pyramid that you were showing. Mm -hmm. And, and then it's also going to be, you have to teach your organization problem solving skills. doesn't mean that everyone needs to be a black belt, but it means that everyone that is interested in learning advanced problem solving skills should be given the ability to make themselves better. And then probably every leader is going to have to have some core competency knowledge in how to think through solving problems. And then finally, you need to make sure that, that your KPIs and that your data is front and center so everyone can see, is my improvement work changing whatever KPIs you're looking for. And it doesn't mean you need to do all five of these out of the starting gates. In fact, we, we haven't really seen anyone that's done all five perfectly. It doesn't even mean that you have to start with the bottom up or you have to start with the, the you know, the top down. We've, we've seen people kind of start with all of them, but kind of that's the goal that you're looking for, you're trying to move to. And so an organization is going to, it's almost like uh, there's the deliberate practice when you're learning an instrument you're going to do something to the point where it's like, okay, you, you, you got your core progressions down. You now need to learn how to finger pick. Okay, great. Yeah. It's going to be a little clunky at the beginning, but eventually you'll do it well enough and you'll develop another core competency in your yeah. guitar playing or your continuous improvement. And so, speaking of instruments, we'll throw in a, another ask us anything question. I've got a pair of drumsticks sitting here off the side of my desk because I, I'm, I'm kind of getting back into the deliberate practice of drumming. And um, I, I did this uh, a lot um, growing up. I was quite serious about music, and, and I'm happy to see I, I can still actually read music and play, and I'm not too terrible. I'm out of practice, but um, I can still do it. So if anyone was asking, ask us anything. I play drums and percussion. Did you ever play an instrument, Greg? I, I tried to learn to play the guitar in high school and failed. And then when I was in New Zealand in 09, I became competent enough on the guitar where I could 
play some basic songs and then about a year and a half ago I finally picked it up again and now I have uh, really I think developed a, what, what Duhay would call a, a power uh, or the, the power of habit his loop and so I have now been playing pretty avidly for about a year and a half and I'm at a plateau with teaching myself and you know we're, we're always learning about kind of growth mindset and we're learning about grit and um, and we were just reminded by that with um, with our user conference where we had such a, an elegant um, talk on, on some of these concepts. And, and I'm at the point where I, I think I need a coach because uh, without kind of expertise and kind of being at your side, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, if you will. So um, I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying the guitar. Well, and, and like you said, everybody can use a coach. I'm amazed. There are, I'm going to hold up my drum sex again, I don't mean to wave them threateningly at anybody, but um, you, through YouTube, boy, there is all kinds of free online instructional video. When I was a kid, I had no access to because I had an Apple IIgs computer that did not connect to the internet. There really wasn't internet in 1990, 1991. What a huge advantage that is. And I think that's the same with um, learning lean and process improvement. Um, there are so many free resources on the internet, blogs, podcasts, including Kinexus uh, and my own. There are a lot of videos. You can see free videos from our friends and partners at Gemba Academy. We certainly encourage people to pay for those videos for the full in-depth library. Um, boy, the internet opens up all kinds of possibilities. It's a, it's a new world. So I think this next question will connect, though, into the idea of, of technology and, and the Internet. And this is a little bit more of a, a Kinexus-related question. I'll let you address this first, Greg. Uh, so Amanda writes, our hospital is attempting to implement lean throughout and has made a mandate that every unit in the hospital do daily huddles. Um, maybe I'll come back to that point. There are always multiple questions within the question. Uh, I work in IT and a unit of business system analysts that do an assortment of duties and work in different offices across town from each other. So is it possible for us to do effective huddles daily? If so, what and how do you suggest we accomplish this task? Greg? I mean, that's a, that's a great question, Mark, and, and one that, that I love to answer just because Kinexus is such an obvious answer for it. I think there's you know, primarily five areas that technology, and by technology, I'm talking even about paper, paper, SharePoint, Excel, and anything that you're doing to get it out of kind of oral tradition is some form of technology, right? I mean, ask the printing press in the 1600s if, uh, if, if paper and, and, and ink aren't technology. But it, it needs to accomplish five things. It needs to help with collaboration, it needs to help with visibility, it needs to help measure the impact. It needs to become a knowledge repository, and it needs to help develop a standard. Right? Those are the, those are the five things that technology needs to kind of influence in this process. And that collaboration and visibility is is so obvious that you need a digital solution when you're talking about distributed teams. And in yeah. fact, what what we're now realizing is because we're becoming more connected it has created this opportunity that people are able to do work in distributed teams much easier than they could even five or 10 years ago. And so we have numerous examples of customers that are, that are doing daily huddles using Kinexus 
and whether they're jumping on a go-to-meeting or a hangout mm -hmm. or they're just getting on a conference call and everyone's working off of the same board um, to me that's a that's the natural and easiest way to recommend a a team that's distributed uh, throughout a town that all can't get together at 9 a.m. They can certainly, they can still get together um, on, on the phone, um, on the interwebs virtually, and right. all be working off of the same quote sheet of paper, if you will. Yeah, and you know, there, there, I mean, there's a problem to be solved, not just with distributed teams, but even people working multiple shifts who don't really cross paths. How can you huddle um, across not just separation of distance but separation of time how can you keep people on the same page so i think there's a combination of strategies of of face-to-face -face, web meetings conference calls notes and and, and things in uh you know uh, a system like kinexus i mean you know for years i've seen people have their shift pass down log where it's a physical binder and they're writing things well we can maybe replace that with technology that's more effective in different ways um, so I, I, one other thing I wanted to touch on, though, I mean, you know, we always talk about Kinexus and technology being a solution to a problem. We don't want to go just push technology. I think the same is true, though, with Lean. We can ask, what problem are we solving? Why are we embracing Lean, practicing Lean, whatever term you might use? So my concern about the question is this idea of this mandate that we're all going to do huddles. And I've seen people get off track when they put the tool before the purpose. I mean, um, hmm. a mandate, everyone must have a board. Everybody must do a huddle. Everybody must have metrics. Everybody must log into Kinexus. Um, if people don't understand the purpose and a connection to what problem are they solving, how are they making work life better, you might get compliance. You might get people going through the motions. I see boards that go up in hospitals that don't get used. I see people kind of going through the motions in a huddle. Why are you doing huddles? Because management told us to. And people are kind of crossing their arms and staring at their shoes right. and waiting for the mandated 10 minutes to be over. Um, we can do better than that. I think when we um, you know, start from why, it makes me think of the Simon Sinek book that I know Greg loves as well, and make sure huddles, lean, continuous improvement, technology like Kinexus, it had better be framed as a solution or a countermeasure to a problem uh, that people care about. And I think that's what leads to success. Well said. So maybe we can, we can squeeze in one more question. There's a whole group of questions I think we'll hold for our next Ask Us Anything, which is going to be on October 10th. Um, to register for that, you can go to kinexus.com slash webinars. Probably within the next day or two, we'll have registration set up for that. We'll cover a lot of those culture questions, but here's a question from Yvette. Um, I understand that employee engagement, honesty, and openness, as well as management buy-in of the continuous improvement and lean process are very important when conducting uh, an improvement initiative. How would you deal with the scenario during an ongoing CI project when the mapped process revealed non-compliance issues that management would like to exclude from the scope of the project? Um, so I, I guess my, my first reaction is, well, I hope somebody's got some mechanism for solving that problem, even if it's outside of the project. Is it, uh, is it some just do-its? Is it some smaller improvements? Is it uh, a different initiative? I mean, if there are non-compliance, if there are issues, scenarios where there's um, non-compliance with the standard process and that's creating 
um, the risk of harm or other sorts of problems. You might say, okay, yeah, we can't expand, we can't have scope creep of this project, but boy, I, you know, somebody else had better be, there better be a process for um, getting that addressed some other way. Greg, what, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think that when I, I, I don't know if this will be a direct answer to this question, but when I see and I hear non-compliance, my initial thought is why? Right, great question. Is there, is, is the standard being asked to do not providing any value to the customer? Is it, are people overworked? Do they not know what they should be doing? I mean, there might be a whole bunch of different, different reasons that there are, that there is non-compliance. And then I think there needs to be an emphasis of once the, once the standard is set and agreed upon by everyone, um, there has to be a really good messaging of why. Why does this exist? Because we're trying not to cut the wrong arm off or because we're trying not to ship a phone that has a bad processor in there or whatever the, whatever the reasoning behind it is. But um, oftentimes I think when, when there are issues of non-compliance, one of two things is gonna be found out. The, Thing that is being asked to comply with is no longer relevant and not really um, the way work is done now or people simply didn't know what the standard was and, right. and then when you when you bring it up and so I mean the perfect example happened at Kinex is two weeks ago I I mentioned um, we have a very particular way that we um, do meeting invites where where the the word Kinexus comes before the customer so when the customer or the prospective customer looks at their invitation calendar, oftentimes the title gets truncated. So we, we try to make sure that Kinex is first for it, right? And so it oftentimes makes it more difficult for us if we're looking at a view of the calendar, we have to go and go, okay, who, who was it? But there's a very kind of customer-centric um, thought process behind that. And um, one of the people that had just, uh, one of the newer people, they didn't just start it, but I mean, they started about a year back said, I had no idea we had a standard on how I should be creating um, yeah. invites. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. That's why he wasn't doing it. And, and then once we explained the why behind it, and, um, and Jeff Roussel, our VP of sales, was actually the one that kind of introduced this concept to me and, and really pushed for this, we then put it into our employee onboarding process. So we kind of, we realized that's a training issue. We need to embed that. And, and we, we kind of articulated the why and everyone's like, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, and um, asking why is such a powerful question. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, looking for the reasons behind the non-compliance. It's not bad apples. It's not people not wanting to do their job properly, but I, I've seen so many instances, like you mentioned, people thought they were following the process, and it turns out they really weren't. That's a system issue. That's right. a training, communication, supervision issue. Um, and, and important things to address. So um, we are, we are, boy, we are out of our 30 minutes. Unbelievable. Yep. It goes quickly. Um, our next Ask Us Anything will be on, again October 10th, the next presentation webinar with our friends from Iowa and the Iowa Lean Consortium collaboration efforts will be on September 21st. And one other thing I'm gonna mention, Greg, I uh, had a, a blog, live blog about the Apple announcements. Um, loaded and I just took a peek at it there right now they've been announcing Apple watch features and I thought you would be interested as a, as an ER doc the Apple watch um, the new version is going to have better heart rate tracking where a it will notify you 
if you're not active and your heart rate is higher than would be expected. So it knows if I'm on the elliptical and I'm moving my arms and my heart rate's up to 150, great. If I was sitting here doing this, and you know, I'm a Fitbit person, I, I don't have it on right now, it would be bad if my heart rate was at 150 just sitting and having a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Brilliant. That's almost like we're carrying an, 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 EEG, or an ECG or an EKG monitor around with us all the, at all times. Funny you mentioned because they are, they're going to have to go through some clinical studies, but they are taking that data and that they will now be analyzing for arrhythmias, including AFib. Yep. And they're, 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 you know, they're going to do some clinical studies and make sure this is all validated and not overpromised. But boy, that, that's an interesting medical feature there. So um, I want to thank everybody for joining us today here. Those of you who are on the live broadcast, those of you who are just watching the, uh, the recording, we'd encourage you to check out our YouTube channel. You can find all of the past Ask Us Anythings there. And we also post the audio on our Kinexus podcast, which you can find in iTunes, different um, app stores and podcast directories. You can also go to kinexus.com slash podcast. Um, with that, Greg, as always, I'll, I'll let you have the last word. And as always, there's no better day than today to start spreading continuous improvement. Best of luck.